Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Happy New Year. Nice to see you all today. How's everybody feeling? Well, good. Well, some of you, not so much. Oh, don't worry. We'll get you in a good mood by the end of the show. Actually, I think you're going to be in a good mood in about five seconds when I show you the special guests that we have on set today. You didn't know you were going to get such a special treat. Here she is, the lovely Camelia Peterson. What's up, CJ? Good morning. Good morning. What To what do we owe the pleasure? Oh, well, you know, it's the first day of session in the legislature in Jefferson City, so I thought I'd come say hi to a few folks and, you know, do the show a couple of days, too. Don't forget, no man's life, liberty, or property is safe while the legislature is in session, but it's a little safer with CJ hanging out here. Remind them of that. Because <laughs> she fights for liberty. We're glad to have you here. Uh, we, we're going to have a great show. You're going to be here on uh, the full two hours today and tomorrow. Tomorrow? Oh, yes. I think everybody's going to like that. Do you think we can make Camelia blush for all two hours today and tomorrow? What do you think? Huh? Give it up. And then we've also got another special guest today. Judge Andrew DiPolitano going to be joining it's us. My favorite mm -hmm. day of the week. Big brain time. Yes. And you get to ask him questions. That's awesome. Yeah. We're going to talk about, uh, we're, going to, we're going to start with the whole main ballot brouhaha. But, you know, after that, we'll be talking about like Thomas Paine being thrown in prison during the French Revolution and, you know, slavery. And then we'll talk about like, you know, the Treaty of Tripoli and whatever the hell we want, you know, because it's fun. We can talk with the judge about pretty much anything. So we're going to have a great show today. We've got lots of great topics as well. Donald Trump earning some never Trump endorsements, which I was kind of surprised to see some of these things. And then you were not surprised to see how the Missouri's senior senator, Josh Hawley, uh, behaved when it came to the Donald Trump endorsement. But I want to save that. We'll get okay. to that in just a moment. We're going to get to that in just a moment. And then we're going to talk about uh, Jeffrey Epstein's private island. No, ugh, ugh. God! No, God, please! It's grossness, but we've got to discuss it because uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know him, football man? No. Mm -hmm. you go, oh, you do. Okay. I know the name. Okay. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, basically, we might be getting in big trouble if Jimmy Kimmel's name isn't actually on the list because... Oh, I saw that. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's like, where did that come from? Like, yeah, does so, he just have a beef with Jimmy Kimmel? Or oh, I guess he does now. <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel uh, is firing back at Aaron Rodgers after Aaron Rodgers says, if Jimmy Kimmel's name is on that list, he's in big trouble, blah, blah, blah. Well, Aaron Rodgers is right, but Aaron Rodgers is in big trouble if Jimmy Kimmel's name isn't on that list. Because... I just figured there had to be backstory there. Like, there's got to be some some reason why he would call Jimmy Kimmel out, right? I just haven't seen it yet. Well, well Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel is a turd leftist, so, you know... Uh, there's there's lots of good reasons to call him out. So we're going to talk about that this morning. I've got clips. Bill Gates, you know, his awkward, smirky, mm. weird <laughs> interviews about like, obviously, I didn't mean to. I shouldn't have met with him 150 times, you know, and gone right. to his private island. You know, we were just going to have breakfast, you know, and I was surrounded right. by 16 year old underage <laughs> girls. And, yeah. You know, we're just a little, little omelet and everything like, you know, you want to mic? You want <laughs> Microsoft is more than just the name of his company, some of these ladies reported. Uh, oh, man. I've only had one sip of coffee. <laughs> killing me. <laughs> it's going to be a great show today. A little PG-13, maybe. But uh, you know what it means. We're glad to have you here. Click like on that show. We'd love to have you come back and join us every Monday through Friday here. If you subscribe to the channel, then you could do that a lot easier. Sometimes people are like, I can't find you. Oh, God, it was such a great show. It took me. Somebody was like... It took me three months to find this show again. Well, that's because you didn't hit the subscribe button and you don't know who we are. I'm Austin Peterson. This is Camelia Peterson. We are not related. I'm an S-E-N. She's an S-O-N. 
but we're good friends, and she joins us typically every Tuesday and Thursday on the show, but today and tomorrow we've got her uh, on set in studio for the whole show, so it's going to be a good one. What else do we have on the topics? We've got... With the judge, we'll talk about the main ballot stuff. And then um, I kind of want to hear about your new man crush. You know, your well, the thunder to, from down under. I'm happy to talk about him. <laughs> Javier Malay. We just we talk about him every day because he is. I mean, when you have a, such an event, I keep comparing it to the fall of the Berlin Wall. You can't let that go unreported. What's happening right. down there. Right. Because it's like it, it, it's an earth shattering event to have a country go from such a stark side of things economically to the other side completely. It would, it would be as big a story if the country had been anarcho-capitalist for years and then suddenly went full-blown communism, right? Well, I think that that's, I, I don't know, maybe, you know, that they were, if they were anarcho-capitalists, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the United States, you know, we've kind of the frog in the mm-hmm. pot of water, you know, we've kind of slowly worked our way into more and more socialism, a little bit here, a little bit there, That's government grows. How it goes. Right. And so I guess the question for me is the lesson. Oh, when I look at Argentina, I'm like, does it have to get that bad for us before we wake up? I hope not. But did you hear that conversation I had with my friend Alejandro Shafuin yesterday? Yes. Oh, so he was he was kind of trying to tamp down my enthusiasm just a little bit yeah. in the beginning, which is fine because he's right. And we do have to remember that it's not going to be easy. He's not yeah. a dictator. He can't just overthrow the table, everything right away. Although he has Javier Malay of Argentina has made massive reforms already, already introduced major reforms in terms of the airline industry. I mean, hell, if if we deregulate, if we had a president who deregulated the airline industry here in the United yep. States, we'd be happy because yep. we don't get jack squat when it comes to liberty here in the United States. And I'm frankly, I'm sick of it. They're coming to get you, Barbara. All right. So that and speaking of airlines as well, I've got this really great article in the Wall Street Journal, which I imagine you didn't get a chance to read yet, Camelia, but it's good. It's don't be the worst person on your flight. So, <laughs> And I've been watching Gavin McInnes a lot lately. He talks about what he does now for these people. You know, the people who like grab their bags and like rush up to the front of the plane when it's <laughs> over, right? He does this thing now where he blocks them. He like gets up and he like stops them from like get it from like cutting in line to get off of the plane. So we're going to talk about that this morning. It'll be fun. And the death of self checkout. Death of self checkout? No. Yes, yes. So the cashiers are going to start returning in no, some of these places. What? I'm not you in favor prefer, of that. You like the you like I the machines? Do a much better job than they do, and I can get out faster. I don't have to wait for them. We should get. Yeah, okay, maybe <laughs> we're, we're going to debate this later. But I'll tell you this: I'm I kind of feel like they should reduce the price of your groceries, like by like five percent or something like that, or like maybe a two percent discount if you use self checkout, right? Because you know, the you're not paying for a cashier to do it. And honestly, sometimes I don't want to do the, the grocery job right for this. Is, I, I, I kind of miss the day when there was like, you know, the kind of like the mentally slow boy who was there at the end of the thing doing your bagging and stuff. And you give him a little tip and you feel good for oh did your good deed for the year, you know? Well, maybe but maybe they haven't been raising prices more because of going to more automation. Oh, sh- just stay around. All like right. if you talk to people who are in the grocery industry and they tell you about the prices, you know, on the the wholesale end of what's coming, like it's not good. Okay, well, we'll hear more from your opinions uh, out of your butt uh, <laughs> a little bit later on this one. Uh, the uh, let's hit the top of the show topic: the GOP's most Trump skeptical block starts falling in line. Senate Republicans are peeling off to endorse Donald Trump on the eve of the Iowa caucus. 
the president, Donald Trump, former president, uh, has started earning never Trump endorsements. Um, and the most curious one on here for me when I read this article was Senator Josh Hawley. This was the guy who mm-hmm. led the charge on January 6th, like fist in the air. Right. He, I mean, I'm not saying he wouldn't be the senator right now if it weren't for Donald Trump. But I mean, I was literally in the room when he endorsed Hawley when I was running as well. Right. And everybody kind of knew that sealed the deal. That was over. Yeah. So you would think like, mm, me lovey, me lovey Trumpy long time. But like this article seems to make it appear as if Hawley was kind of dragging ass up to the up to the lectern to endorse Trump. What's the story here? You seem to know something I don't. Well, I just maybe have different opinions. But, okay, let's hear it. I mean, I just from observing um, Senator Hawley, you know, I think he's principled in a lot of areas. He and I disagree vehemently uh-huh. on several issues, but I do think that he is also a very smart politician and he's opportunistic. And I think, you know, after January 6th, he got memed to death with the whole raised fist yeah. of running across the... He lost a lot of his big supporters and donors, yeah, too. Yeah, he did. And so, and he has been very quiet on Trump for the last, what, year and a half, two years. That. Like, And I think that that's because he was, you know, kind of reading the writing on the wall for a while. And now that it's become, you know, pretty clear that Trump is the front runner and are you and sure we're not going to have a DeSantis surge at the last moment? <laughs> we never say never, you know. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But I just think, I think he's, people yeah. beclowned themselves. I mean, not to go off on these people or anything like that. I didn't want to dislike DeSantis. It, it's not that I dislike DeSantis so much, although his campaign, like I do kind of feel eh about him because the campaign was so weak. And then he really kind of went very authoritarian in the last, like, you know, several months, I guess several months, but like in the last year, like if he had, here's the thing, I'd be, I would be a hundred percent behind DeSantis if he had not gone authoritarian and like his movement hadn't kind of become like the mini Trump movement. It's like the cover band, like a lot of people say, right? Like his people are like, Ooh, mega people are so mean and disgusting. And like, all they do is like attack the sixth place candidate online. Like me, I I like Vivek Ramaswamy. Austin, you're it's like, why are you attacking me? I, I like the guy who's definitely not going to win. <laughs> well, remember that the first person to come out and publicly endorse DeSantis was Thomas Massey. Uh, yeah, and poor Thomas. I think that has confused a lot of people. Yes. But, um, you know, Massey served in the legislature with DeSantis. Mm-hmm. And when he lists off the reasons, and I think he knows DeSantis very well personally as well. Um, and so I, it carries a lot of weight with me as far as, you know, what I would um, trust that DeSantis would do or not do, um, but the fact that Massey, you know, has supports him to the level that he does. He's been campaigning for him right now in New Hampshire, and so I just. But you're right. Like when DeSantis came out, and then the whole Disney thing, and you know, when you're talking about that, you're going to mandate what private businesses do with regard to COVID. I like that's not. Well, I just I love the approach that conservatives who are behind DeSantis are taking when it comes to me, and they're they're like. You're not a real libertarian. I, yeah, right? Yeah, we're all advocating some here. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I get it when, like, you know, an anarcho-capitalist is like, Austin, you're not a real libertarian. Or just when any libertarian is like, you're not Austin, you're not a real libertarian. But when someone who is not a libertarian is like, you're not a libertarian, I'm like, sus. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, uh, audience? We'd love to hear from you today.
You know, you can text the show anytime, night or day. Let me know what's on your mind at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. Also, a little bit of sad news, but it's really not that bad. And that is that Lear Capital is going away. Unfortunately, we lost them. But that, you know... That they stuck with us for a very long time, yes. and we appreciate them because they really went out of their way, and we still do like an affiliate sponsorship with them. So if if anyone goes out there and actually buys some gold from LearAustin.com, then uh, that'll still help support the show right now. But we are looking for new sponsors and advertisers. So if you know anyone out there, especially if someone has some kind of a business that has a patriotic theme or tie, We'd love to hear from you about getting the word out about your small, medium, large business here on the Wake Up America show. Our audience is definitely growing. There's a ton of momentum behind the show. And the people who come to the Wake Up America show are like family and we all support one another. So if you or someone you know has a business that you would like to have, uh, if you're listening to this right now, well, then that advertising worked. So make sure that you reach out to us through the text line at 573 319-1586. Again, the text lines are always open. Let us know what's on your mind. If you'd like to reach out to us to advertise on the show or tell us some guests that you think we should have. Again, that phone line is 573-319-1586. Okay, so back to the whole question of the GOP primary. I mean, Donald Trump has it sewed up. I've been saying this for months. Uh, Just accepting reality is what it is. Um, he's been angering me lately with his whole, like, do we need a beautiful new building for the FBI? And I'm just like, I'm just like, ah, ticking me off. Right. Because it's like, we see what Javier Malay is doing in Argentina and South America. And it's just like, just do that. Just do that. That's here's the thing. The FBI like framed him and set him up. Like the FBI wants him dead. Like it, it. what is he doing? What is he thinking? I don't understand why Trump doesn't understand who his enemies are, right? It's like, he's like, he just brings them in. It's like, I understand, like, keeping your enemies, your friends close and your enemies closer, but you don't bring in, like, like, Brutus and be like, you know, with the knife and be like, oh, here you go, Brutus, stab me in the back. Please kill me for the love of God. I don't understand this. It doesn't make any sense. It's not 4D chess, okay? Shut up. It's not 4D chess. Do you think that he's doing it because his opponents are saying the opposite? What do you mean? I mean, just for contrarianism, just to be different. No, I don't. I, I don't see that because I don't think that he he doesn't feel threatened. There's no opponents, right? There's like, who is a who is a threat to Donald Trump? Well, OK, but he doesn't behave like he doesn't feel threatened. You know what I'm saying? Right, like right. he he sometimes behaves like he feels threatened. And I think that he still has a lot of insecurity going on. I can't imagine that everything that he's been going through has not taken its toll. I mean, how yeah. can it not? I don't care like how successful you are, how much you've done over your lifetime. That's like, it's been a lot. Well, and isn't this really why? And uh, also because I think that if he wins that there, that somebody's going to kill him, um, you know, uh, is that his VP pick is very important, right? It is Agreed. so important because I think that it's, it's quite likely that if president Trump, wins again that they're going to try and and off him somebody is right whether it's you know some shadowy conspiracy of a government cabal or just some weird nut i mean you've seen how psychotic these leftists are just when like stephanie says that she doesn't think green day should be talking about the maga agenda do you see all those 10 million people coming in and attacking her yesterday for that that's crazy psychotic yeah they're insane right and uh, stephanie and i just had these conversations recently she's like i'm nice nobody will 
come after me, right? Like I know that Austin has like people and I'm like, you don't understand, Stephanie, like you being associated with me. And if you're not a leftist, like they want you dead. They want you dead. They would, I mean, we learned from COVID-19. It's not a hyperbole. Like the left hates us and wants us dead. So any, um, who do you think he's going to pick? Nikki Haley. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think that, uh, He's going to do it because he's going to uh, calculate that because she's the one who's most likely to um, she's the one who's most likely to win, to help him win. He probably because all he cares about is winning. But here's here's uh, Jack Posobiec and um, and uh, Steve Bannon talking about this. Take a listen to this. We're going to have a big fight will take place in the spring will be they're going to try to force Nikki on the ticket. They say Trump needs a woman, Nikki on the ticket. She balances things, and she can bring together that 15% of never-Trumpers in the Republican Party. We're going to have to have that fight. If Nikki Haley is in this administration in any capacity, it will fail. Well, she's, she's a viper. She's a viper. And once she gets in there, she'll try to run it as prime minister. She'll try to be Dick Cheney. Uh, to, she'll try, her to Trump will be just like Dick Cheney to Bush. That's but, what she but Steve, to I have to ask you, because Richard Barris issued a warning about this, a very specific warning, and he went even further. Barris's warning was this. He said, you put her in as vice president, and they will find someone to Lee Harvey Oswald Trump, get him out of there, and make her the president in his stead. And he said, if she becomes VP, that guarantees they're going to take a shot at him. I got to tell you, we have to put on the table because Robert Kagan, uh, uh, one of the senior most think in the neocon, uh, you know, vertical. I agree. I I agree with him. I I don't often, you know, find myself agreeing with Steve Bannon or Jack Posobiec. Um, Funny, I write for his magazine, but and they're they're doing that with human events and stuff like that. But, you know, they don't tell me what to write. Uh, Actually, I pitch my story every week to them. But. I think they're right. I think that Nikki Haley, we're going to have a fight and it's going to, it's probably going to be Nikki Haley. And then Donald Trump either dies in office or, you know, or, or gets Lee Harvey Oswald and uh, Oswalded, if you will. And uh, then Nikki Haley becomes the president of the United States. We go to war with Russia and it's World War Three. So are we saying now then that the suburban white women vote is what's the deal breaker? Is that what's going to, because so before you ladies, you need to, we need reform ladies. Like you, this is, this is why I say like, we have got to stop protecting you. I would have, I mean, you know, I would, my guess would have been that I thought made sense would have been Ben Carson, but yeah, I I mean, that's good, but he's not a woman, right? Right. So, um, yeah. You, you, the thing is, is that you ladies, you are too safe. You are too protected, right? You've got all the first world problems, right? And I think that, you know, suburban moms who feel no danger in life, when they, when they get bored, they want to save the world. And there's nothing worse for limited government than someone who wants to save the world and who has no clue how the world works, who has had everything. She's, she was beautiful from the time she was young. She was pampered. She went to college. She got the university degree. She got the master's degree. She worked. She, she worked her way up in the corporation. Now she's girl bossing, and she's watching Netflix and chilling. and And she's got and she's got maybe one or two kids. And she's the soccer mom. And she's the power. She's the tiger mom. And she's got everything going for. Her, and she's never had a lick of 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 self doubt because she never had to struggle 
because she got all of the scholarships that were available for the diversity, equity, and inclusion hires. And she's got ESG going on at the corporation, right? And then when she walks down the street, there's a big, strong, hulking ape of a man who, with a gun and a smile to ensure that no little immig- no li- illegal immig- immigrant's going to lay his hands on her. But if we take away that cloak of protection, if that big, strong ape of a man isn't there, if the DEI isn't there, if the ESG isn't there, if these beta male orbiters aren't simping for her at the office, at the HR workplace, uh, on the street, as a police officer, if, they, if these women feel the danger that is associated with a life of independence and of self-mastery uh, rather than, and, and the doubt that comes with actually failing once or twice in life, then the suburban white moms, when they feel the danger, when they feel the knife at their throat that the rest of us have to feel, because we weren't born beautiful and pampered and taken care of and first world problems for our lives, then they will vote Republican, but only if they feel the danger the rest of us feel. So do you think we're on uh, the backswing of that, though? I mean, because, you know, we've seen kind of a turnaround with pushback against DEI and ESG and all these other things where companies are starting to turn around because of the backlash uh, and because it's not working. Those policies don't work. So do you, and we've also seen this with the um, transgender issue with regard to underage, um, with, and with regard to minors. Do you think in the same way that we're going to kind of see things turn around in that respect? Too? I think it takes a little longer. Yes. And this is why, again, I, I, I wish, you know, conservative men, again, this is what I call the white knighting and the simping. It has to stop, it's, especially because like conservative women, and there are good conservative women that I, that I like, and libertarian women who are like, we have to stop Thanks. the transgender in the... Yeah, there are. But here's the thing. They're, they're like, you know, the Independent Women's Forum and stuff like that. I, th- I had an interview with one of them once, and she was kind of like confused by my tactics when we were talking about like men and women's sports, transgender women's sports. They didn't understand why I'm for that. Mm. Right. And, and it's like there was, well, the, here's the, the recent story. The boxing. It's the right. women's boxing. They're, they're like, they're now going to start allowing. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And here's the thing. I'm absolutely for it because, not because I necessarily want to see women's face Faces, skulls get crushed, although that will be a consequence of this. Uh, but it's because one, this is what women are voting for. This is what women say they want. And three, no one's forcing them to get in the ring. This isn't, it isn't like, this isn't like gladiator, gladiator or hunger games. They don't have to go and, and get into a boxing ring, right? There's no, com- there's no coercion involved in this. Ladies, you want to step into the ring voluntarily with a man and do engage in combat sports with a man. And only then, when they see what's happening to their wives and their daughters and to themselves, will they realize the mistakes that they have made? But that is the cloak of protection. The conservatives are like, we have to protect these ladies. The worst thing you can do, and I saw Alejandro, our buddy, say this, don't help an adult who says they don't need your help. Mm. Don't help an adult. And if an adult tells you, no, 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 don't help me. Don't, there's this great song. I don't know who it buys, Akon. Don't save her. She don't want to be saved. Don't save her. She don't want to be saved. Don't save her. She don't want to be saved. J. Cole. Okay, there we go. Anybody know this song? Nobody listens to rap, R&B. Well, I mean, I think you're right. And this, to a certain extent, is kind of the the free market approach to things, too, Uh is that I think the only thing that's going to be effective. And we saw this um, with a team. Was it? I can't remember what sport it was where the women walked out and they were like, nope. We're not doing that. We're yes. not playing. There you um, go. I think that that's what women are really going to have to do. I think that's what's going to be the most impactful. Yes, I, I agree. That far more than trying to legislate it out of existence. 
Yes, yes. One time for my LA hoes. Don't save her. She don't want to be saved. No rules. Not Trina, but I swear to God, this uh, this bitch will make you call your girl up and tell her, hey, what's good? <laughs> I love it. J. Cole, and the song is called No Role Models. There you go, guys. All right. Um, should we move on to <laughs> should we move on to an even more PG-13? Yeah, Bring it on top of it. You got <laughs> it's time for us to talk a little bit about Epstein's Island. So Aaron Rodgers is having us back for, you know what, let's, let, here's the thing. We should probably just go ahead and open this up with the severity of this Because I think some, like, while there's a lot of jokes to be made and, you know, a lot of, like, digs that are made and things like conspiracy theories, this is not a conspiracy theory. This is, these are conspiracy facts about the trafficking of underage girls. Take a listen to this. This is one of Jeffrey Epstein's victims. I have uh, spent the last 17 years in my own prison for what she... Jeffrey and all the co-conspirators did to me. I was raped repeatedly. I was raped three times a day sometimes. And I was not the only girl on that island. There was a constant stream of girls being raped over and over and over again. And yes, Ghislaine must die in prison because I've been in hell and back for the last 17 years. I was 10 years old when Liz Stein was being trafficked. I was 10. That is how long the sex trafficking ring has been going on. Oh, yeah, we're not talking about one victim here, Amelia. We're talking mm -hmm. about hundreds, hundreds of, of young girls, right? Jeffrey Epstein didn't have them all to himself. Okay, and here's the thing. A lot of people are asking questions like, where did Jeffrey Epstein get his money? Now, Listen, I thought that Jeffrey Epstein got his money from business deals that he did with the founder of Victoria's Secret, but that may not be the entire picture. You know Buck Sexton from, mm -hmm. from his, his radio show? Yes. Here's what Buck Sexton has to say about Jeffrey Epstein's money. Take a listen to this. $600 million, $800 million on Wall Street. No one's ever heard of you before. This is, this is crazy, right? Didn't make his money that way. So they don't really know where his money came from, which is a huge red flag in and of itself. And then there's the, well, what was he doing? He's running, we believe, right, a blackmail, a surveillance and blackmail operation, which likely involved, as from everything we can see, putting very powerful, very wealthy men in situations where they were engaged in sexual activity with underage girls, right? That I believe. Am I am I am I on point with this so far? Like yeah, that, is, that right? Yeah, that is what the general belief is about what he was doing. How is it that we are sitting here now after he, we're going to say, he committed suicide in the prison where no one had ever been able to commit suicide before, after Ghislaine Maxwell has also gone off to prison and we learned nothing from her trial, Sean, nothing. She's just gone away for 20 years. Just, you know, we're not, we're not hearing a word about it. Oh, okay. Not a single person, not a single person that I can think of have we been told is the actual target of this blackmail with the exception of that British royal guy and, you know, whatever, Prince Andrew, right? And it's just wild because it's like, how did Prince Andrew, of all people, like not, like, not avoid the guillotine? You know what I mean? How did he get away with that, right? You would think that, like, a member of the royal family would have been protected, but maybe it was just because, like, the evidence was too e the obvious, right? Virginia Jufre had that picture. Right. So. Well, did, did you talk about yesterday um, the lady who was in the interview who was telling about all the information that they had like three years ago or whatever right. it was? And she said that it was the royal family that put all of the pressure on them not to release it. Right. Right. So I, 
Well, so here's the thing. Who was he extorting? Who was he blackmailing to get this money? Uh, the next video I'll show you is just alleged, 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 alleged. These are allegations. Uh, take a listen to this. You had a number of meetings with Jeffrey Epstein, who, when you met him 10 years ago, he was convicted of soliciting prostitution from minors. What did you know about him when you were meeting with him, as you've said yourself, in the hopes of raising money? Uh, you know, I had dinners with him. Uh, I regret doing that. He had relationships with uh, people he said, you know, would give to Global Health, which is a uh, interest I have, you know, not nearly enough philanthropy goes in that direction. Uh, you know, those meetings were, were a mistake. They didn't result in uh, what he purported and I cut them off. Awkward. You know, that goes back a long time ago now. Uh, there's, you know, so there's nothing new on that. It was reported that you continue to meet with him over several years um, and that, in other words, a number of meetings. Um, what did you do when you found out about his background? Well, and, you know, I've said I regretted having those dinners uh, and there's nothing, absolutely nothing new on that. Is there a lesson for you, for anyone else looking, looking at this? Well, he's dead. So, uh, you know, in general, you always have to be careful. Uh, and, you know, the you know, I'm I'm very proud of what we've done in philanthropy, very proud of the work of the foundation. Uh, you know, that's that's what I get up every day and focus on. So really what he's saying is people will look the other way if there's enough money involved and, you know, they'll ignore their their instincts. And I'm not I mean, like Epstein is probably a sociopath, probably very good at ingratiating himself with people. Um, Don't you think that like just, they they thought that they could uh, get away with anything that they were so wealthy? Sure. I mean, like, don't, wouldn't you? Th and wouldn't you think, you know, if you get it, try and get inside the minds of these perverts, that if you had if you had a private island, that oh, we're, well, here's the thing. Epstein says yeah. to you, it's a private island. No one's going to see anything. Right. But we live in the 21st century. Cameras exist. Right. Yeah. So like, like you, you would. Here's the thing. If some like billionaire asks you to go to a private island and is like, oh, it's going to be all secret. There's lots of girls there, blah, blah, blah. Right. You don't think. I mean, how do you become president of the United States like Bill Clinton and not think mm, oh, there, might, there might be some hidden cameras here or there or something like that? Like, how, how would you not? Right. How would you not? How stupid these people? It's not that they're stupid. They're smart. They just they were so convinced of how intelligent they were that they screwed up. It's like intellectuals and socialism right they're sure. so smart that they're they're so open-minded their brains fall out well i think then and, and i i would not even begin to to know or it's hard to even imagine but i don't doubt that when you're in that bubble mm -hmm. and that's your life and those are the people who surround you that you feel untouchable mm -hmm. so that's i mean that's not surprising plus i people who are also um in those positions are typically also there because they have very large egos. Mm -hmm. I mean, by necessity, right? Yes. Um, so I think that, that that adds to that as well. And then once you've done once you've um said yes and you've gotten involved the first time or two, then they, it's it's hanging over your head. Yeah. The big yeah. the biggest story that's happening right now that's breaking news related to this is the feud that's developing between the New York Jets uh player Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Kimmel. 
Variety magazine is reporting Jimmy Kimmel slams Aaron Rodgers' claim about Jeffrey Epstein con uh, connection. He says, your reckless words put my family in danger. Well, if those words are reckless and if Aaron Rodgers is wrong, Jimmy Kimmel's right. Sure. Uh, it's definitely not in the kind of thing that you want to be accused of. I mean, here's the thing. The problem is, is that accusations about, you know, you're a pedophile because you like a 20-year-old girl and you're a 30-year-old guy unfortunately, is just all too common, right? It's like the word racist. It's like starting to get overused, mm -hmm. right? People don't understand these terms. It's like gaslighting, you know, people just overuse it. Um, but in Jeffrey Epstein connection case, yeah, that's literally pedophilia, right? Like we're talking about sexual assault here, statutory rape. Right. Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy Kimmel, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is kind of like sideways accusing him here. So he said on this uh, show, the quarterback for the New York Jets says, there's a lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, really hoping that doesn't come out. You can't like there's no like interpreting that uh, any other way. Right. Well, right. I mean, if you're going to say something like that publicly, you, well, better, you better have, have some evidence. Right? Boys. You better <laughs> have some evidence. Right. So the names of over 150 associates of the late sex offender Epstein are set to be revealed following a court order from a federal judge in December. Aaron Rodgers said, I'll tell you what, if that list comes out, I definitely will be popping some sort of bottle. Why? You know, like, like here's the thing. I, I, I want to see Jimmy Kimmel go down, but I don't want to see. I, I hope he's not. I hope right. he's not a pedophile. Right. Like, don't we hope that don't we hope that like the people like some of the people like love him or hate him? And I hate Jimmy Kimmel and I don't watch him and I don't think he's funny. I haven't thought he's funny since I watched him like you know, bouncing the juggies on the trampolines during the man show back in the day. That was, that was a funny show, but Adam Carolla was obviously the, the better talent. Jimmy Kimmel. The man show. Remember when it would bounce the juggies? <laughs> and the, well, and also that one, the, uh, the table they tabled at, oh my gosh, what was that skit? Um, where they had the know. women signing to like either, I think they had the women signing to do away with the 19th amendment or something like that. Yes. Oh, suffrage, women's suffrage. <laughs> Yeah, we want to end. That's right. End we want to end women's suffrage. Yes, <laughs> when the women were signing it. That's what they need to do with those suburban house housewives who aren't like you know the white chicks who aren't voting for Trump. They need to go around and sign a petition like we're going to end your suffrage, take away their rights to vote, and just you know what? End my suffering. End my suffering. <laughs> yes, I will vote for that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. So anyway, so Kimmel and Aaron Rodgers are fighting and Jimmy Kimmel fires back. He says, dear asshole, double A asshole, uh, for the record, I've not met, flown with, visited, or had any contact whatsoever with Epstein, nor will you find my name on any other list other than the clearly phony nonsense that soft brain wackos like yourself can't seem to distinguish from reality. Your reckless words put my family in danger. Keep it up and we'll debate the facts further in court. Have they said when they are it's supposed to happen yesterday? Okay, because I, I haven't like, seen it yet. I keep seeing it talked about, and they're going to do it, and they're going to do it. And I'm like, when? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought it was like you know already. Yes, for sure. Midnight Rider reminds us who it's. I think it's his first time here on the show today. Good morning, Midnight hey, Rider. Welcome. What's up? Says the Man Show was degrading to women. That's why it was good. <laughs> That's why it was funny. <laughs> Everybody deserves to get made fun of, even women. Okay, you're not floating above us. You're not better human beings or creatures or angels. Like I make fun of Camellia. Camellia makes fun of me, right? She's got one glass eye and I make lots of like. I make fun of other women. Yeah, she does. I make Cyclops jokes and things like that, right? It's funny, okay? Women, like I really, like we had this with a friend of ours where he's got like this kind of overly protective instinct. 
about like about women and stuff. He's like, he's like, here's a tip. Never say something about women like this, blah, blah, blah. Or your wife or make her feel uncomfortable and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, bro, like they don't don't save her. She don't want to be saved. Don't save her. She don't want to be saved. Captain save a hoe. It is just one of the it is just one of the most important things to be able to have a sense of humor and to be able to laugh at yourself. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Midnight Rider says disgusting men. Yeah, that's why we're cool, right? We're disgusting or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. You know, we're the disgusting men who go and clean the disgusting sewer pipe from the disgusting poop do that you all take. Not okay, those things may all be true, but Plumbers. do not let them <laughs> deceive you. They are also the um uh, romantics who yeah. you know are i'm losing my words but you know sentimental that's yes. what i'm looking for yeah, men, so. men are the gentle men are the sentimental sentimental ones, ones for sure women are car cold hard <laughs> rationalists as we know from our hl Mencken. but we do we do care for the children yes. and, and who do the children who do the sons call for on yes. the battlefields when they're dying I, I think we've triggered midnight rider because now he she is saying Probably your wife on the trampoline. It was funny, tramp trampoline. But what was what's funny is is how quickly uh, Captain Savaho will go from like saying "Don't you denigrate women" to denigrating a woman. Did you notice how quickly that was? Sure. Yeah. So so Minute Rider goes Minute goes disgusting men. Don't say these about women, and then immediately starts attacking a woman. Right. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. No one should be exempt from from ridicule in some way. Bye. Uh, uh, so anyways, the Wake Up America show is brought to you in part by APforLibertyShop.com, which if you're noticing right here in front of Camellia are all these delicious boxes of Founding Flavors coffee. Some of you are drinking some this morning. You can get Founding Flavors coffee exclusively at APforLibertyShop.com. That's AP, the number four. Grab that box of Thomas's painkiller. Will you, uh, Camellia, you be my model, my cycloptic model? Oh, this is this patriotic part. No, get get um. There we go. How dare you? How dare you? you? All right, this is my favorite. Get Thomas's painkiller right there, and uh, uh, you can see there we go. Yes, that's yes. delicious. Have you tried the painkiller yet? Yes, Very yeah. Very good, isn't it? I bought it? this one. Yeah, Thomas's painkiller. You can get over at apforlibertyshop.com. Compare us to some of the other premium coffees online when you uh, calculate it in shipping. We're actually just a little bit a hair cheaper than most of the brands that you see. Remember. Uh, shipping is included in the price. You can actually save money if you buy more than one box. So bundle and save. And if you are a big fan of Founding Flavors Coffee and you've already tried it, today's a great day to sign up for a monthly, bi-monthly, tri-monthly subscription. Or you can even get it every two weeks. we got some people who are so addicted to it, they got to get it every two weeks. So. And the painkiller is the Colombian single origin. I really like that one. I really like the uh, Jeffersonian too, because I started to move more from, I used to really like dark roast, mm -hmm. and then I started to move towards light roast. Mm. I think the Jeffersonian's the light roast. Yeah, right? the Jeffersonian Java is the light roast. I gave away so many boxes of it for Christmas, as Christmas gifts and stuff, so I'm hoping more people get that. I'm like the, the pusher. The, the drug pusher, you know what I mean? It's like, taste it. Mm, come back and buy some, kitties. You like it, right? It's delicious. Get that at AP4LibertyShop.com where you can take care of all of your freedom merch needs. Um, did you see that I designed a new shirt this week? The pink AK-47, the electric AK-47 neon um, Is it Hawaiian shirt. Not the leopard print? Yeah, the leopard print, right? So okay. so it was like it was inspired by that leopard print shirt that I yes. that I have. Your TJ Maxx signed. My, yes. Like the most epic find from TJ Maxx ever. So, you know, I dabble in fashion design and I designed this awesome leopard print shirt like mine. But my the one that I have has little pink AK-47s on them. 
Oh, yeah. okay. I did not Check see it, it up that close. Yeah, okay. yeah. Lean your right. eye right over here. There you go. You could see the pink, little pink AK-47s oh, totally on there. I totally missed that. I, was, yeah. I just saw the leopard print. Okay, so I'm going to be honest with you here. Right, let's um, hear it. Every time I, when I saw you at first in that shirt, all I could think about was how you told me one time yeah. that animal prints were like the worst thing women could wear. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Listen, that's true. Like, but here's the thing. Women wear the like black and brown yes, and a leopard agreed. prints like and stuff. That. It's very stripper. You know what I mean? It gives me stripper vibes. But dude, that's, that's not the same thing. No. That is not this, right? So, the, and the thing is, is that, whether I'm in Miami hanging out like on the beach or if I'm even if I'm just hanging out with friends or go, I go to a party and I wear that shirt. Yeah. Every single person is like, that is an awesome shirt. Guys are like, where can I get this? If you get the Liberty retro electric AK 47 Aloha shirt, quite a name, uh, then you can be cool as I am. So check it out. AP for Liberty shop.com. And I know people are big fans of our friend Javier Malay. You can get tons of Javier Malay merchandise as well. He actually, did you see he posted most of like my merch? Yeah. I know. He's so crazy. Wild. He's a crazy South American Argentinian president of his entire freaking country. The I think he appreciates your uh, filthy capitalism. Yes, I think he does. I think he does. Yay. <laughs> Uh, Blute Reich says, looks like something you'd find in an 80s roller rink. Hell yeah. <laughs> exactly. Kind of like the shirt that I'm wearing right now. Um, Urs Mommy says she's going to buy one of those shirts and wear it to her next company meeting. Great idea. That would be fun. <laughs> That's great. Oh, there you go. And uh, yeah, so not only do we have awesome hoodies, afuera hoodies uh, featuring Javier Malay, but if you just go to our search bar and you type in Javier Malay, then you can see all of the awesome products we have. We've got a mug. We've got a hoodie. I really wanted to get that mug. My girls just told me, like, you need to clean out the coffee cup cabinet. Oh, you got a lot of coffee mugs. Nice. Well, which one did I'm you like, like better? Did you like the the one of him doing the thumbs up or did you like the Javier Pepe one better? Oh, the thumbs up. The thumbs up one. Yeah, okay. Like, thing. I was like, I'm not a big fan of that. I don't really care. Pepe's it's really, popular, yeah, but, it's very popular yeah. these days. We've also got vacuum insulated bottles, a copper bottle. Uh, and we That's also, cool. yeah, and, and which is a good price for a copper bottle, $37 and it's delivered. You can get that at apforlibertyshop.com. And our most popular item is the Viva La Libertad Carajo, mm -hmm. Javier Malay, president of Argentina shirts, which has five star reviews from our friend, Mary Kramer. So there you go. Check it out. apforlibertyshop.com. All right. We're going to take a brief commercial break. When we get back, let's talk about Claudine Gay, the um, exiled uh, head of Harvard. And then we're going to talk to Judge Napolitano. It's big brain time. On the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Glad and grateful to have you here. Can I ask you a real quick favor? Will you click that like button? And if it's your first time watching the show today, subscribe to the channel. We stream this show live every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. Two hours of hot delicious liberty goodness along with a cup of founding flavors coffee how about this have a coffee and a smile with camelia joining us in studio on set hello lovely feeling good, good today i am yes how's that coffee hitting it's delicious do you know which one we're drinking we're drinking uh john adams's patri okay. patriotic perk it's very good. It, he's the dark roast mm -hmm. it's, it's good it's... you know though a lot of times you get dark roast coffee mm -hmm. and it tastes kind of burnt yes this does not Yes, thank you for noticing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of times too, if you especially if you drink like cheaper coffees, 
It'll also give you kind of like that stomach rot. You feel mm. you ever feel like that sour stomach? Yeah, sometimes just acid. Yes. Well, that's the nice thing too about Founding Flavors is that it doesn't really give you that stomach rot, that you know sour stomach that a lot of people have as well. Again, it's an ultra premium coffee. If you haven't tried Founding Flavors yet, you really are missing out. It, you know, try one box, and I tell you what, if you don't like it after a couple of cups, send it back. I will buy it back from you. That's how confident I am. Here's the thing. If you're drinking coffee mm -hmm. just for the caffeine alone, mm -hmm. get yourself a caffeine patch or something because <laughs> you should save your money yeah. and savor your coffee and drink good coffee. Yes. I mean, like, it's just... Well, and I know some people are on a budget and they're kind of like, oh, well, Founding Flavors is a little, pr it's pricier than Folders, for example. But sure. what, what I would recommend people do is, you know, get one box of Founding Flavors and then have like your big can of whatever, right. whatever it is that you have and just, you know, alternate back and forth. Right. Yeah. And I, I do that too. Like I have my mm -hmm, like sure. regular beans and stuff like that. And I, I go back and forth with a lot of them, but this is. I mean, these are these are my favorite. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, let's see. We've got oh, Claudine Gay. Have you been enjoying these memes of the president of Harvard being? Uh, she's I would say were forced to resign, but no. Here's the thing. She's she she plagiarized her work to get to the head of. I mean, is she not the the stereotype, the absolute picture of what diversity, equity, and inclusion has fomented in this country? Someone with no merit, right, rising to one of the top positions in our country. Yeah. And, yeah. and 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 this is why, you know, society is falling apart because when you put people in charge, when you put monkeys in charge of machines, you you get monkey machines. You get monkeys with machines, monkey wrenches in the machines. Probably shouldn't use a monkey reference. <laughs> I'm not racist, I swear. <laughs> witch. I'm not a witch. <laughs> Thank you, Christine O'Donnell. <laughs> So that's that's the backlash now is that they're saying that, you know, that she was forced to resign because racism. Mm -hmm. I mean, never mind the fact that she, the the blatant plagiarism has come out multiple times. Right. But the memes have been great. Well, it's funny because like, she was resistant to that at first. Right. Trying to make it out like, oh, it didn't happen. Oh, but it did happen. But it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a big deal. I mean, you're talking about like the most elite academic institution in the United States that maybe that in, or Yale or what have you, MIT. But you can't plagiarize and be the head of of the university, right. right? You know, like I mean, you you lose your you'd lose your job in any other kind of academic role if you did something like that. Sure, and I think people think, oh, well, if you just phrase something similarly or whatever that, but it's that that's not what it is. Like it is obvious when there is plagiarism going on. It's why whenever you know, I don't, and I don't know what they're doing in schools nowadays. Um, I know that when I taught teach, well, and even now teach my girls grammar and writing, um, you do, and that's why you do outlines, mm. like, you could, because you're not writing every single word down, because like, if you're making notes, and then you're writing your paper based on that, you will plagiarize, because you will follow too closely, um, you know, what was written in the source that you took it from. So, just, but yeah. I'm laughing at this tweet. There's this chick from uh, Netflix who's very upset about Claudine Gay being uh, forced to step down. Her name is They Them Tired. I don't know what the hell this thing is. Uh, it's it. Um, he says, he says, she says, down by the seashore. It was never about plagiarism. This was about a ton of white people. Do you notice how they spell that? Uh, being mad that they had to listen to a black woman at a prestigious institution academia doesn't deserve us and for that it will never get anything else out of me black people are going to be in the dumps for a long time with this kind of attitude right they're they're they're, they're never going to crawl out of the depths 
the slogs of the bottom rung of society until they're out until they change their attitude. Well, the unfortunate thing is, is that the people who do that are the people who are discrediting mm-hmm. um, black people who, by virtue of their skills and their talent and their intelligence, have risen to the top who are doing great things in yes. society, but they're but overall, they ain't doing so hot. Right. No, I mean, I think it's because of that there is a certain segment uh, of that population who is determined to, you know, keep fomenting that and keep it alive. And it just is, it's detrimental. Well, it's because some of them found that they could, some of them could thrive like, like Claudine Gay here, that they could thrive and succeed, not based on merit, not based on hard work, but based on, of their identity uh, and their identity alone, and that she knew that this is the arrogance, the ego uh, on this woman that she could succeed, that she could even plagiarize and get to the to the top. Uh, you know, Stephanie and I we talk we've been talking a lot lately about cheaters, right? And how you know the we were told when we were a kid that cheaters never prosper, or cheaters never win. That is, <laughs> I'm not going to say that's a lie, but it's not necessarily true. Yes. Right. What is it? Because what is it we see in politics for sure? Certainly, it's not the cream that rises to the top. Right? Sure. And no. in the corporate world, right. The 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 desire from the left is to turn the business world into looking more like the corporate uh, the corporate world into looking more like the government world. Right. Right. In in a government world, you can get um you can get a government job not based on your performance, but it's based on who you know. Right. And I mean, but you see it. The problem is, is that when you do that. You you know if it, if you do that in an industry, the industry suffers. The, the market will punish you, uh, and, and certainly we've seen that happening with Bud Light, mm-hmm. uh, Hollywood movies. Perfect example, right? Too much nespotism can definitely harm uh, a, a corporation, and, and it certainly ha- harmed a lot of great, otherwise great films. You probably never saw Godfather Part Three. Um, I think I forced you to watch Godfather one and two. Yes, I do uh, remember watching those. I don't know if I saw three. Uh, you know, I didn't make you watch <laughs> Godfather part three, but anybody who has ever seen the Godfather part three knows what I'm talking about. So Sophia Coppola, I believe was Francis Ford Coppola's daughter, the filmmaker. Uh, and Sophia Coppola was a God awful actress and she made that movie bad. I mean, it was already pretty bad anyway. But she, it was obvious that she, you know, being the director's daughter, that she was mm. not equipped to handle all the emotional gravitas that was required right. to do a Godfather movie and to act alongside Al Pacino. And, and uh, I can't remember the actress's name. That was the famous actress that was um, his wife. But that kills corporations. It kills business ventures. Right. I'm lucky. I'm thankful. Stephanie does so much for my business, but she actually like qualified to do all the stuff mm-hmm. that she does. Like. When you see advertisements on my social media for AP for Liberty Shop or our merchandise, Stephanie made that, right? And it's usually very good. And and Javier Malay has retweeted some of the stuff that she's made. Um, But if she was not good at it, if she was bad at it, I would say, I'll do this, honey. You know what I mean? Because we can't afford to fail. Sure. Harvard can. That's the thing is that that, is that these these nonprofit institutions, government institutions, they just paper, paper it over with money. But that's not how the marketplace works. When they introduce DEI and ASG into these corporations, a lot of these corporations that we've seen have been pulling out of it because they see it hurts their bottom line. And I think that some of these policies get put into place because I I would bet you anything that what happened with that whole Bud Light fiasco was that 
this person came up with this idea and because of the of the uh, cultural climate and political climate we're in right now you know like probably everybody on that board or that group of people who were like okay put rubber stamping this we're all probably thinking that's terrible but they probably all thought that everybody else thought that we should do it and so everybody agreed yes 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 we've seen this so many times we've seen this so many times you know and everybody's like oh well you know she you know there's no way she that we, we don't have to check her work right mm -hmm. it's probably racist to suggest that we should check her work right if she if she had been offered an iota of scrutiny then their alarm bells would have been going off or the racist bells and stuff like that. They're already like claiming racism is the reason that she was forced to step down. Right. right? I don't care if she was an old, old white lady. We do have done the same thing. We would have savaged her. Right. So, and, and rightfully so. A little bit of hope in this area. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there are people who are out there that are fighting against this in the in the black communities. And I have a friend in St. Louis City who is doing this. And one of the things that he told me one time uh, he talked a lot about, you know, he had a different experience because of the desegregation program. He was bused to a, a wealthy public school mm -hmm. um, outside of the city. And that really changed his perceptions of what he could do with his life. And so he um, one of the things that he does right now is he does men's groups where they read like big idea books. Mm -hmm. And he said one of the biggest needs in that community is is critical thinking skills. And so he's actually doing the work to um, do that and seize that need. And that's what we need, like all over the place. We need all of those people in their local communities doing those things. That's what will, that's what will change. Things. I love, I, I loved all the memes that came out. Our buddy BIPOC doing racism over on our rumble feed says, scroll my Twitter feed later to see the black ad academic cope from yesterday. I will do that. <laughs> but we've got to go get judge Andrew Politano. He's waiting for us right now. We're running a little bit late. Judge Napolitano to talk about what's happening with Donald Trump being thrown off the ballot in Maine. When we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Do me a favor, click like and subscribe to the channel. We'd love to have you come back and join us here on the regs. Every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time, the Wake Up America show streams live. And I know everybody's favorite guest is our Wednesday regular guest who's going to be joining us here in just a moment. But I do want to say thank you to Rumble.com for putting us front and center right at the top of Rumble.com. We appreciate that. If you're listening to us down there in Sarasota, Florida, thank you so much. Rumble has been a huge part of the success of the Wake Up America show. We couldn't do it without you. So thank you to all of our friends at Rumble.com. Click like and subscribe to the channel to say thank you to Rumble.com. And let's say thank you too. To our friend Camelia Peterson is joining us in studio. CJ, thanks for sticking around. Good morning. I know you're really excited about this next guest. This is my favorite guest. Everybody just talks about how much they love Wednesdays because it's big brain time. We're not talking about those cultural things and, you know, calendar models. Oh, gosh. Right. You know, we're not going to talk about Jeffrey Epstein's <laughs> Island. We're going to talk about the stuff that matters because we wouldn't want to waste this opportunity. The host of the Judging Freedom podcast, which is a powerhouse in its own right, the man, the legend, Judge Andrew Napolitano. Happy New Year, Judge. Nice to see you here with us today. Austin and uh, Camilla, it's a pleasure to work with you. And um, thank you. Thank you for having me on this morning. And thank you for, as always, the generous introduction. Of course, Judge. Um, so uh, even Democrats are coming out and saying that this push to remove Trump from the ballot is not going to work. Colorado, Donald Trump gets put back on, but he's taken off the ballot in Maine. 
is what the the Democratic um, Secretary of State of Maine done? Is that legal? What she has done? Do you think this is going to help them politically? Give us your big picture take on this. All this, Judge. Well, I don't think it helps the uh, Democrats politically, and I think the Democrats uh, recognize that uh, legally, what she did is within her authority uh, to do it. But it has to be challenged because the this has never happened before someone being disqualified uh, to run for president of the United States because of having participated in, in an insurrection. I mean, Jefferson Davis and Robert E. Lee did not run against Ulysses S. Grant for president. And if they did, the 14th, if they had, the 14th Amendment would probably have barred them uh, from doing so. The problem is Congress has never set down standards uh, for the application of the 14th Amendment. So there are parts of the Constitution which are called self-executing, meaning they don't need a statute to explain how they work. An example is, Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. Well, if Congress tries to silence Austin Peterson, he just goes to a court uh, and gets that statute invalidated. But the 14th Amendment is a lot more complex than that. And it says, whoever having taken an oath to uh, uphold the Constitution, participated in, aided, or abetted an insurrection, shall not be qualified to become an officer of the United States. But it doesn't say how that is to be proven. So in the years following the Civil War, someone like the uh, Secretary of State of Maine would say, and I'm just going to use you as an example to tweak you, Ah, we saw Austin Peterson in a Confederate uniform. We all know he was a Confederate. We're not going to put his name on the ballot. That was the end of it. No due process, no trial, no challenge. But as we moved away from the Civil War and as the generation of those who participated in and lived during the war passed on, and as we got into the 20th century and as our um, respect for due process became um, more uh, sensitive, and more refined, we, we entered an era where the government did not interfere with life, liberty, or property without a trial and proof of fault and ability to challenge evidence. That happened in Colorado. That did not happen yet in Maine. I say yet because the Trump people, in my view, quite properly have appealed the decision of the Secretary of State and they have actually asked for it to be reversed. What will probably happen will be a hearing of some sort. This is where there is potential hot water for Trump. There is a doctrine called res judicata, R-E-S-J-U-D-I-C-A-T-A, a fancy Latin phrase meaning the thing has already been decided. So there was a three-week trial in Colorado in which Trump lawyers did participate. They didn't take it seriously but they participated. Donald Trump did not testify. The Trump people did not produce eyewitnesses. They produced professors who expounded on their opinion of what an insurrection was. Trial court found that there was an insurrection and he did aid and abet it. There may not be another trial after that because of res judicata. The thing has already been decided. On the other hand, the state of Maine may decide we don't like what happened in Colorado. We're going to hold our own trial. All of this means the Supreme Court has to lay down standards for what the 14th Amendment means, what level of proof is required 
before a person can be barred from becoming an officer of the United States under the 14th Amendment. And what does officer of the United States mean? It probably includes uh, the presidency, even though, as I said, there's never been this type of challenge before. Judge, does the um, the clause, does, does it, this all hinge on the clause where it states that someone who has taken an oath to the government before, meaning that the president of the United States, Donald Trump, has already taken an oath to defend the Constitution. Is that what this all hinges on? I mean, if he had never been president before or if someone had never taken an oath to the government before, would that invalidate all of this? Is is that the key stipulation here? Or? Yes. Yes, that is the key. And and that um, reminds us that the purpose of, of this was to uh, prevent those who participated in or aided the war between the states from joining the federal government after the war was over. Um, I don't, I don't think there's no evidence that the proponents of the 14th amendment, a very controversial amendment. If, if you want me to get into the controversy, I will. Um, I don't, there's, there's no evidence that they intended it to apply beyond the civil war um, experience. However, it, it, it's in the Constitution. The, the language is fairly plain. It must mean uh, what it says. Judge, do you think that January 6th qualifies as an insurrection? I, I don't. Do you? Well, from, you know, I haven't sat as a judge in a trial in any of these uh, cases, but just from my observations, which are like yours, I don't think so either. Uh, the government has persuaded juries uh, to convict for sedition. Now, sedition is a conspiracy to overthrow the government of the United States. I've argued, A, conspiracy statutes are unconstitutional because they punish thought. B, you can't prosecute someone to commit a, uh, for attempting to or conspiring to commit a crime that's impossible to succeed. How could five people overthrow the federal government of the United States? But in, in courts of law of the United States of America, in front of life-tenured and presumably fair judges, following uh, the rules of federal rules of criminal procedure enacted by Congress and enforced by uh, the courts, people have been convicted of this stuff. Do I think Donald Trump aided and abetted an insurrection? I don't. And I don't think Jack Smith, his chief prosecutor, thinks so either. He would have asked a grand jury to indict him for it, which hasn't happened. You're just tuning into the Wake Up America show. Good morning. We're glad and thankful to have you here. The numbers are climbing like crazy. I think it's because of my current guest, Judge Andrew Napolitano, who's joining us now. I'm live in studio as well with my friend Camelia Peterson, who's joining us. Don't forget to click like and subscribe to the channel so you can get more content like what you're hearing now. Camelia? Yeah, I just there's a lot about the 14th Amendment that I had not been aware of. And so I was not aware of the reasons why it was put into place. And so that and he kind of already answered this. But my first thought was that is, is there any precedent at all? Um, I mean, has this ever been adjudicated before in any way, you know, or is this like the first time? Ever? Yeah, is this is this new judge? It is new for the presidency. There is there is some very, very old um, 19th century uh, cases uh, upholding the decisions of uh, state uh, election officials to bar uh, individuals from uh, being put on the ballot. But none of it uh, is instructive for today. The purpose of the 14th Amendment is to uh, apply the first eight amendments 
which generally characterize fundamental liberties, speech, travel, self-defense, privacy, religion, et cetera, due process, uh, onto the states to, uh, to prevent a repeat of the states taking a category of human beings, African-Americans, uh, and removing them from the protection of the Constitution. The 14th Amendment was intended uh, to uh, prevent that from happening. The reason it is so controversial uh, is twofold. One, um, New Jersey and Ohio rescinded their ratifications after they ratified, and the Congress rejected the rescissions and only accepted the ratifications. Two, this language is Justice Scalia's, not mine. Uh, the southern states adopted it with a gun to their head. Remember what happened in the southern states from 1865 to 17 uh, to 1876. They had uh, military dictatorships, and the condition of the removal of those military dictatorships was the adoption of the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments. Notwithstanding those two controversies, it is a part of the Constitution, and it has uniformly been upheld. But this particular clause has never been defined or refined by the, by the Supreme Court. If the Supreme Court does not uh, tell us what the clause means, that will let the Colorado decision stand. That will unleash a dozen or so other states to do the same thing, applying their own standards. So Michigan says... This doesn't keep uh, Trump off. Minnesota says it doesn't keep Trump off. Colorado says it does keep Trump off. The Constitution cannot mean different things in different parts of the country, or it's not a Constitution. The Supreme Court knows that. So the Supreme Court is meeting this Friday, January 5th, uh, to decide whether or not to hear the appeal of the Colorado case. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be unanimous that they will hear the appeal. And if they can agree, set down standards for the application of the 14th Amendment. This is fascinating stuff. Thank God we've got Judge Napolitano here. Let's give it up. This is big brain stuff for sure. Would that, <laughs> would that SCOTUS decision apply to all states then? Yes, it would. Well, it's a good question. If SCOTUS knows what it's doing, and it does, it will lay down standards, Camellia, that will apply to everyone. It won't just be a narrow ruling on Colorado. If it's mm -hmm. just a narrow ruling on Colorado, they're going to invite another two dozen of these uh, rules. Right. If they lay down standards for the application of this clause in the 14th Amendment, they will only get cases when those standards have been uh, complied with. Judge, let's um, switch from the legal here to the political. Um, do you enjoy the irony of seeing the Democrats uh, claiming to uh, be fighting to protect democracy by throwing someone off of the ballot? Well, it is bitterly uh, ironic that um, uh, that the Democrats would want black-robed judges to decide who gets on uh, a ballot rather than uh, voters in a primary election and uh, voters in a general uh, election. Uh, you know, there's a lot of fear of Trump, particularly uh, of things he's been saying lately. And a lot of Democrats and, and some Republicans actually are so terrified that he might be president and might actually do these things uh, that they're willing to go to great extremes, extremes, not extremes tr traditionally not associated with the democracy uh, to prevent him uh, from entering the White House again. 
The Democrats appear to be willing to make war. I feel like the difference between ourselves and true, true conservatives, true libertarians, and the socialist left, the Marxist left, the, uh, the international socialist globalists judge, uh, as we understand them, is that they have no limiting principles versus us putting us at a distinct advantage. We have limiting principles. We, if we were to take over government, uh, as Javier Malay has done, it would be to limit the power that the president would have. If if we were to take uh, uh, power, we would be willing not to use power. Now, this, of course, stands in contrast to many of the national conservatives like, you know, your J.D. Vance's and Josh Hawley's and, and many others who are actively fighting the libertarians of the Republican Party or the right, uh, saying things like, what's the point of having power if you don't use it, right? Well, you know, this is why George Washington was such a great man, because he had power and he walked away from it. But it does put us at a distinct advantage in fighting our enemies, does it not? How can we make war on Democrats who have no limiting principles and win, Judge, when the rules of engagement heavily favor them versus us? This is a tactical well, question. Well, it's, it's, it's very difficult because we, we have a society where um, half of the people in in the society are have-nots that expect the government to take from the haves and give to them uh and they rely on that so the democrats uh, and some some republicans uh have succeeded uh in uh, producing a uh state of subservience on the part of so many people uh in the country and they will only continue to vote for whoever uh brings home the bigger piece of the pie you know, Jefferson and Hamilton hated each other and rarely agreed on anything, but they agreed on this. When the public learns that the public treasury has become a public trough, they will only send to Washington people who promise to bring home the biggest piece of the pie. The history of the federal government is the history of that. Now, the best book on this, you, you know it, you've read it, is Crisis and Leviathan uh, by Bob Higgs. Now, he shows how every time there is a crisis, the government grows. But every time the government grows, more and more people become dependent on it. They will only vote for those who promise to feed that uh, dependency. So even though uh, freedom uh, produces uh, a happier existence, more uh, prosperity, more peace, uh, a better lifestyle, uh, a longer life, uh, we live in a society that is afraid of freedom. Uh, and so a Ron Paul in the White House or a me as the chief justice of the Supreme Court or uh, or you uh, in some significant governmental position as the leader of the Republicans in the Senate, um, it'd be almost inconceivable that we could succeed without like-minded people uh, with us. I mean, it would take 67 senators agreeing uh, with you and five justices agreeing with me and a public agreeing with Ron Paul before these things can happen because they would be such a radical change. And, and what are these things? They're all based on, leave me alone, stay out of my bank book, stay out of my bedroom, stay out of my face, let me go where I want, say what I want, do what I want, let me exercise my natural rights as long as they don't interfere with somebody else's natural rights. That is pure Madisonian. That is what the country was like at its uh, outset. Unfortunately, it went downhill 
from the moment of its outset. Uh, the uh, numbers continue to rise as these pearls of wisdom continue to fall from Judge Napolitano's lips. Thank you to all of our friends who are joining us live right now on the Wake Up America show. Glad to see you all here. Do us a favor, click the like button and subscribe to the channel. I know for many of you who are watching the show right now, you're watching it for the very first time. I'm the host of the Wake Up America show, Austin Peterson. I'm joined uh, on set and in studio with my good friend, Camelia Peterson. We are not related. How are you, CJ? Good morning. Good. And my illustrious guest who joins us every Wednesday here at 8 a.m. Central Time on the Wake Up America show. Make sure you come back and join us next week is Judge Andrew Napolitano. He's the host of the Judging Freedom podcast, which you can download on any of your mobile devices. And of course, his weekly column is at judgenap.com. Judge, can I ask you your thoughts? You might have seen uh, Thomas Massey introducing a constitutional amendment yesterday in regards to um, apportionment of representation being tied to citizenship rather than population. Um, I didn't realize that the, that that was the case. Amelia and I were talking about that this mm -hmm. morning, that uh, that representation is tied not to the number of citizens in a district, but to the number of people, the, the population in a district. He wants to change that and codify it in the Constitution. Your thoughts on this? Well, I didn't know about it until you just mentioned it. And he is a dear friend and I love him. And if we were in Congress, our voting records would be nearly identical. But uh, that would uh, radically uh, upset the rest of the Constitution because the Constitution protects persons. It doesn't protect uh, citizens. Um, it doesn't matter where your mother was physically located when you were born, your rights are natural. This is not something that all libertarians accept, conservatives reject it, liberals don't understand it because the, it, that opens the floodgate to natural rights, which means that there is an authority higher than them, an authority higher than, uh, than the government. Uh, but I would be uh, loath uh, to limit this just to uh, citizens rather than uh, to persons. Now, I haven't talked to him about it. I don't know what his reasons are. I don't know the wording in it. But that's my um, initial uh, reaction. This will open the floodgates to classes uh, of human beings here, which will produce uh, dangerous, unforeseen and unwanted. My assumption was that this was coming out of the massive influx of illegal immigrants over the border. And the, I mean, the kind of the presumption that some people are making that it's an intentional tactic and that it will, um, you know, weight things in certain states in favor. And this is a way to uh, limit that, I guess. That's my assumption as far as where that was coming from. Yeah, that was what Massey was responding to, and that's why he introduced it. And the judge and I have these conversations all the time about uh, immigration and and mm -hmm. what is to be done. And we've had some we've had some really in depth discussions on those specifically related to the natural rights of an individual mm -hmm. moving across borders. Right. Uh, and and the judge takes, I think, what and, and forgive me, I don't want to put words in your mouth, judge, but a very anarcho capitalist take when it comes to the immigration question. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. What, what you and I used to call, now watch my fingers, true north. True north. <laughs> Some people say that that's the, that's the symbol of the Illuminati, Judge, so watch out there. <laughs> well, this is what you and I used to used to yes. do to each other when we were in the true hallways north. at Fox. People thought we had our little secret signal. Cult that we were a member of. <laughs> well, the founding Bill O'Reilly. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. O'Reilly once said to me, "What are those hand signals you're giving that kid that you work with? What are they?" <laughs> <laughs> That's 
<laughs> Judge, we love having you here on the show. It's always great. You come here on Wednesdays. We talk about big brain topics and we have conversations that aren't happening anywhere else, save perhaps your own podcast. Um, and of course, your weekly column, I say, is required reading for any Liberty lover. What have you got coming up? Give us a sneak preview of this Thursday's column. Well, this Thursday's column addresses whether or not slavery was a cause of the uh, of the Civil War. And this uh, Thursday's column uh, defends the initial answer that uh, Nikki Haley gave when she was asked uh, that question, which she now wishes she hadn't answered, when she said the Civil War was fought over freedoms, government, and rights. It was fought over freedom, governments, and rights. Slavery, uh, of course, uh, was supported by Abraham Lincoln, uh, was supported by the uh, Congress, which uh, uh, attempted to enact the Corwin Amendment, which would, have which would have enshrined slavery into the Constitution. The same Congress at the outset of the Civil War sought to enshrine slavery in the Constitution as at the end of the war uh, voted to eradicate it. Ah, because, because history is written by the victors and they bend history to make themselves look good. That's what this week's column's about. In terms of the show, yesterday I interviewed Scott Ritter from Moscow with an official uh, of the government. We had over 200,000 uh, views. I said to this fellow, uh, we had a translator, uh, what do the Russians think? We lose you, Judge? Looks like he dropped out there, unfortunately. We'll see if we can get him back. Hold on, let me see if we can do. Hold on one second. Judge, there he is. Okay, you're back. Go ahead. Now, in Moscow, we have a phrase, thank you, Joe Biden. I said, what are you talking about? He said, we are more prosperous now after the imposition of sanctions than before. So that was Scott Ritter yesterday. Today I have Colonel uh, Douglas McGregor. By the way, yesterday I had seven. Uh, we had seven uh, shows uh, yesterday. Today I have Max Blumenthal about his uh, fights with the Israeli newspapers and the Israeli censors to extract truthful information about what's happening in Gaza. And I have Colonel uh, Douglas McGregor about how absolutely dumb and wrongheaded is the defense policy of the United States of America in thinking that we need 900 military bases around the world and that we are the essential nation who can spread democracy, whereas in reality, we don't spread democracy, we spread violence and death. Don't really have it much here at home. Uh, so then is it safe to say, Judge, uh, one final thing, is it safe to say then with your defense of Nikki Haley's comments the other day that you will be voting for her in the primary? Not in a hundred years. <laughs> she's she's Lindsey Graham. Don't, don't misread this. She's Lindsey Graham in high heels. <laughs> We're going to clip that and the context. You're just kidding. Judge Andrew Napolitano, Happy New Year. Thank you very much for your time today. We appreciate you very much. Love you. And we'll see you again next Wednesday here on the Wake Up America show. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you, Austin. All the best to you, Camelia. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Boy, that's such good stuff. That's the big brain stuff. You don't get those kinds of 14th Amendment conversations anywhere else, do you, CJ? No, I just, I learn so much every time I listen to him. And mm -hmm. I will tell you, there is a very, very few things that make my heart so happy as when the judge laughs. That's just like <laughs> the greatest laugh. <laughs> same, same, same. I'm so grateful to rumble.com. I just can't say it enough, especially when they put us up here on the front page like this. It's just to see these kinds of numbers gives us heart yeah. because 
a lot of times the people who are tuning in the stream, they come in, they click, uh, they, they like it, and then maybe they leave, or maybe they don't like it or subscribe and they leave. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, maybe Camelia, you've been a big supporter of this show. You can help me explain it a little bit better to all the newbies who are watching kind of like the lay of the land. Like, who are we? Like, what are we doing here? Because some people think, oh, maybe it's a part of a big corporation or it's like, you know, these are very rich people doing this or something like that. But we're a small, tight operation here podcasting, trying to make it big in the Liberty world. Yes. You launched out on your own, what, a little over a year ago, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And just have built this up from nothing. And it is, um, it has been a pleasure to watch it grow. And then it is unique. Mm -hmm. I mean, this show is unique in terms of, yes, it talks about politics and a lot of the things that, you know, you can probably hear about on a lot of different podcasts all over the place. But the difference is, is it's not all doom and gloom and, you know, everything is super serious. Like, it's fun. Yeah. And we do things with a sense of humor and sometimes people get offended. It's true. But they get over it or sometimes they don't and they leave. But, you know, we, we and it called the thing I also have always appreciated about you and your ventures and, and things like this is that you also cultivate a good sense of community and the community of liberty loving people that have grown out of this. And I, I have I like one of my best friends came yeah. out of this. <laughs> All that to be said that we'd love to earn a subscribe to the channel today and have you join us here yes. every Monday through friday on the wake up america show so we stream the show live five days a week it's a political news and culture talk show and we have terrific guests that you can't find anywhere else topics and and, and guests and content that you're not going to see uh anywhere else because a lot of my experiences in the political world, having run for president and for U.S. Senate and for um, working for the judge at Fox Business Network and starting this own political venture, really make me a unique and seasoned character, I think, to bring you the news of the day. So uh, this is a great day to say, you know what, the Wake Up America show is going to be my destination listening from now on. So click that like button on the stream, subscribe to my channel here at rumble.com and come back and join us five days a week. So now that we're getting towards the end of the show, we've hit all of the big brain stuff. Now we're going to goof off a little bit, even though this is a big brain topic or it can be. I want to talk about Camellia's new man crush. <laughs> Actually, it's more like my new man crush too, if you will. Or maybe I'm his man crush. Uh, Argentina's Javier Malay. Give it up. Talk about draining the swamp. Yeah. I mean, he immediately, Javier Malay takes a chainsaw to big government Argentina. And, you know, my buddy Alejandro, as I was saying earlier, is trying to, you know, tamp down my enthusiasm to an extent in terms of what Javier will actually be able to accomplish. But I'm already seeing some very substantive changes that if we saw here in the United States, half of what Javier has done. I mean, he, he shuttered, he shut down government agencies. When's the last right. time we saw that happen in America, you know? For sure. And the thing is, is that, yes, I understand the need for caution. Yes. If we're going to be realistic, is he going to be able to do everything and right away? No, not even in the first year or two years, probably. But it's so important that we keep being excited and positive about the steps that he's taking because he needs to, I mean, like our elected officials and the leadership in our countries, they need to hear the positive feedback when they are doing the right things because. They hear the negative all the time, but that positive is so important to give them the will to keep going. We don't hear many American politicians saying things like this. I'm going to translate this from the Espanol. This is Javier Millet of Argentina, the newly elected president of Argentina, talking about political correctness. He says, he says, what madness are we living in? The madness of stupid political correctness. 
where basically it's like saying, oh, if you do not recite cool socialism or if you're not woke, then you're violent. You're a danger to democracy. Come on, guys. Let's continue with this nonsense. Instead of being ranked 140 in GDP, we're going to be the largest shanty town in the world. Right? Like, Javier Malay is a libertarian economist. He's he's no slouch, right? He's not some podcasting host of the Wake Up America show trying to run for president. He's a literal economist who uh, a lot of people uh, he has angered, not just because he's not a socialist, but because he's been willing to do things like go tell the WEF to their faces that they need to uh, support decentralization, where a lot of people have been triggered by his views, not only on the economy, but also his very pro-America and pro-Israel stance. A lot of American libertarians did you see what uh, Dave Smith said about him when he won, when Javier Malay won? No. He's, oh, he's not perfect. Oh, he's gosh. not, he's not ideal, but I'm glad he won. And it's like, what the hell? You know why? Because he, he likes the United States and Israel, right? And American libertarians are so reflexively anti-American and anti-Israel. It just makes me sick because it's not really about devotion to principles of liberty. You're not for something as much as you're against something. Mm -hmm, you know what I mean? Sure. And you have to know who your enemies are. You have to define who you, what you're against before you can say what you are. But I really think that American freedom fighters struggle to define who they are and what they are and what they are for. I don't see that with Javier and Malay. Like he, uh, he, he turned around like in that interview we just saw there, this concept of wokeism and socialism, he had turned it back to economics. He turned it back to what mattered, right? Not yep. being a shantytown, not being poor, not being broke. That was one thing when I ran for president as libertarian that I kept trying to hammer home is that you guys have got to speak to the issues that are putting bread on the table of the American people. And stuff. Like, it's not to say that we don't want to legalize drugs, but if you lead with we need to legalize black tar heroin, right? You are going to lose. You're going to lose people. It's not to say that we don't believe in those things, but strategy tactics you know the, you got I, we, I don't want it to be that we have to be broken destitute and american in decline i don't want it to collapse and before we have to have libertarian principles and bona fides that might need to happen but i'm not going to root for america to fail i'm not and you know i think we were just talking during one of the weeks about why some of our favorite liberty loving um elected officials would never be president, you know, yeah. and, and it's because they don't. And that I think is the difference with Javier Malay is that he not only, you know, is the nerd. He's, yes. he's the economist nerd. Thank uh, you. Yes. Like, I can't talk. Huh? But um, he's also cool. He's, like he's a rock also star. cool. Right. And he and he does. He takes he he makes them think about what they are against while at the same time bringing them hope about yes. what it could be. And I think you need the mixture of all of those things. And he he has it. And he explains the economics well. Here's right. another clip of him talking about the fallacy of public works. He says, look at this. They say public works creates jobs. That's false. Love that. That's false because how is that public works financed? It's financed with taxes. I mean, and the reporter says, that's people's money. He says, exactly. You are reducing the purchasing power of people so the state can do that. But in truth, people would have spent this money on something else and would have generated private employment of better quality at a greater productivity in another part of the economy. And that's assuming politicians don't have porous hands, you know, <laughs> and that's a very strong assumption that nobody checks. Well, what's better? You spending your money by yourself? 
or someone else is spending it for you. Reporter says, I see when the state spends it for me, they get the credit. For example, for creating a new route, he says, true, but it means less productivity and advancing over individual liberties. And they have porous hands, yeah, holes in their hands, right? That means corrupt politician down there. Mama Mia, Javier Malay. So so sexy. You know, and see, this is the thing that we hear so much in the United States right now mm -hmm. is that people think of taxpayer funds as government money. Yes. It's as if when you hand it over to the government or they take it to you from you through your paycheck, mm -hmm. um, they like it's theirs now. And we have people in Missouri who are who are on the right, even who say with regard to the public education system. Well, that's the government money, so it should go to government-funded schools. I'm mm -hmm. like, what? No, that's that's like that's our money. Yeah, that makes no sense. Yep, for sure. Uh, we're headed into the final quarter of the Wake Up America show. We've been loving having all of these people joining us today. Hundreds and hundreds, 850 people watching us live. Huge. This Good is morning. huge for us. Good morning. We're glad to have you here. Click like and subscribe to the channel. And just an FYI, if you if you'd like to have your voice heard on the Wake Up America show, we do have a text line. You can text the show anytime, night or day, at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. Will Run Riot over on the Rumble live stream says, yeah, he's 38, and the things he hears from most people around his age, and especially younger, paint a bleak picture. Not on the Wake Up America show, bro. We keep it up light and we keep it optimistic up here. Maybe it's because of all the caffeine, but, uh, you know, I just... I see, I see the good in people. I see the po the possibilities uh, of change. Uh, there are certain things that I think are probably a waste of time, and that 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 need to denigrate that need to be denigrated, and say it's time to stop. You know, running on a third party ticket for no purpose, and you know, running vanity campaigns and things like that. We probably need to take the money that's being spent, the energy that's spent on a third party, and push it towards something else. We need to be far more strategic with it. Yeah, for sure. If you're going to do a third party campaign, it needs to be far more strategic for sure. Um, but for the most part, like I see us winning victories in different places mm -hmm. every day. I see little victories that are being won. Somebody was posting the other day, they were doom posting about like, what has the, what has the Supreme court ever done? Or was, there was something that's like, what has been done for Liberty in the last 10 years at all? I'm like Bruin, uh, McDonald v. Chicago, Right, there have like, been numerous religious liberty cases. Oh, huge wins. Just, yeah, yes. tons uh, of stuff. What about um, Roe versus Wade, for God's sakes, right? Give it up. But Gorsuch. But Gorsuch, yes. Give it up for uh, Gorsuch. We love Gorsuch. <laughs> Uh, there's a there's a lot of things to be optimistic about, positive for, and we're going to amplify that on this show. That's what the Wake Up America show is for, just get you in a good mood to start your day. So we do hope you come back and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time here on the Wake Up America show. So click like and subscribe and definitely come back and join us again real soon. All right, let's talk about some fun stuff here. The Wall Street Journal opinion piece. You and I are going to have a difference of opinion on this. <laughs> Uh, the, the title of the piece was, I'll cheer as they cashier the self-checkout device. The glitchy and idiosyncratic machines cause too much retail drama. Joanne says, good riddance. So a supermarket chain in Northern England recently announced they're closing the self-checkout lanes, right? And they're going to return to the fully staffed way of doing business to deliver a better customer experience. This is a trend that has actually started to reshape retail shopping over the past 20 years. 
In 2021, self-checkout usage accounted for 30% of transactions. That was double of what it was in 2018. Um, but now that is starting to reverse and more stores are looking at having cashiers in place rather than self-checkout lane. When I have like a billion items, right? I don't like sit there and freaking figure out what the code is for the stupid avocado, <laughs> right? Like sometimes if I've got like two or three items, sure, self-checkout. But if I'm going to the grocery store and we've got to get, we've got a bunch of stuff, like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to bag that stuff. Bring it out to my car. Like, give me some luxury service. You remember, remember the good old days when people would pump your gas at your car voluntarily? Yeah. I was like, there's a state that still doesn't do it voluntarily. Well, but yeah. yeah, they force you to do it. But I mean, like, you have a difference of opinion. Uh, well, okay. So I understand um, maybe the desire to go back to more full service checkouts. But the thing is, it's like Walmart did this where you could tell when they stopped incentivizing cashiers to uh, scan things quickly mm -hmm. because it was terrible. You would get cashiers who would just like piddly poke their way along and you could be standing there forever because they had no incentive True. to get you through quickly. So think if they're going to do that, okay, well, be sure you're really doing good customer service because good customer service really suffered, I think, before, you know, then self-checkouts came along. And then I think I don't think I'm alone in saying that oh, it's so much easier to go through the self-checkout because then I don't have to take the chance of getting a cashier who wants to like spend half her time, you know, yakking with the person standing in front of them. Like, I'm not here to have a conversation, ma'am. Yeah, no, it's true. Oh, that's true for sure. Yeah. You're trying to like rush through it. And because you know why? And that doesn't happen in other other states. Right. That's a Missouri thing. <laughs> Right. Could be. Could it be. is. It is. Because, like, you know, that's not going to happen in other states. Uh, that that actually did happen to me recently. I was really in a rush. And the cashier was sitting there, like, having this conversation with me. Or it was, like, maybe it was a waiter or something like that. I couldn't remember. I was kind of like, I need to go, you know, but I don't want to be rude. Be rude right? Right? <laughs> in, in Missouri, we run things a little bit differently here where we're, like, overly kind in, in certain ways. It's kind of like, it is annoying. But here's the thing. The checkouts. Uh, BIPOC over on the Rumble Chat says that some of this has to do with crime. Well, that's what I was going to say. I wonder if that's part of it, because I cannot imagine that they, that, you know, they are getting things stolen at a much higher rate. Yeah, no, for sure. And it does, it does get annoying. I imagine for our friends who live in high crime areas or they shop in high crime areas for whatever reason. And it's like, dude, I don't want to have to go and get a cashier in order to buy a bottle of shaving cream or Oh, you know, just basic needs. Oh, God. Can you imagine having to like do it if there was like the condoms, you know, and you've got to go buy the Trojans and stuff like that. And it's like, you got to be like, go. It's one thing to have to like go to the cashier and be like, yeah, I'm going to have sex later. Right. And then, but like, then to have to like be like, can you please get these condoms? Which ones do you want? Extra large. Oh, no, no, no. Extra micro, micro. <laughs> But the theft issue, the thing is, is I'm not even sure that manned checkouts are going to be the answer to that, because the problem is, is that most stores are afraid to stop people to begin with. I know that it was it was policy, at least at Walmart for a long time, that they could not um, they could not do anything with someone who was shoplifting until they were outside of the store. Mm -hmm. And even then they had to be careful. So that I mean, like that increases the risk because then they're having to chase them outside. Mm -hmm. And so if something happens, they hurt the person, they can get sued. And there's like all sorts of ramifications that come along with that. Yeah, that's for sure. We have a brand new texter today sending in his message, Michael. 
from the 412 says, in the same way that socialists are blind or naive to theory versus practice when it comes to economics, he says libertarians are when it comes to foreign policy. It sounds yeah. great on paper in an ideal yeah. world, but it doesn't work in practice. I, you know what? As a libertarian, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, as, as much as it pains me to say it, right? And as somebody who has defended a non-interventionist foreign policy for most of my political career, it the scales really started falling off of my eyes about you know eight to ten years ago, when you know having had an upfront and you know center look at the libertarian movements uh, in regards to foreign policies, I really see them as being very ignorant and naive in much the same way that Marxists are when it comes to foreign policy. And it, as silly as this sounds, I, don't, I do think it's because most of them have never been punched in the face. And I think that all um, political parties or ideologies have their utopia. Mm -hmm, yes. And the thing is, I think it's a good thing to keep that utopia in mind as the goal. But then you, when the, what you said, I like rings true, your principles have to live in the real world. Yeah. And so we have to be able to be pragmatic in going towards that goal and knowing that life is messy. Yeah. Um, Which is not to say that there aren't some, you know, even some anarcho-capitalists who hate the state who, um, who served in the U.S. military and are now very pacifist, anti-war types right. who say, you know, who have been punched in the face sure. and who say, you know, that I, you know, I believe in a non-interventionist or an isolationist foreign policy for sure. I still disagree with them um, to an extent. I'm not an interventionist per se, but I do think that the problem with libertarianism is that there's no actual war strategy. Right. There's just a, hey, we have a means to avoid conflict. Right. But the thing is, is like there's no actual feasible defense plan for what happens when the enemy's at the gates. With the people who don't hold the same principles that you do. Exactly. Right. Like you, you have to know how to actually slit a Marxist throat when they get when they breach the uh, the border wall. Right. So uh, anyways, uh, da, 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 da. we have to say thank you to Quest Fanning for the donation. The Rumble Rant. Appreciate hey. you, Quest. Thanks for dropping a dollar in the tip jar. He says that um, I like the Amazon Go stores I've been to. Never been to one of those. It's been very, it's runs very smoothly. You scan a unique QR code from your phone and then grab what you want and walk out. That's kind of cool. Like you just kind of grab, pick up what you want, scan it with your phone and then uh -huh. then go. That's Interesting. kind of fun, actually. He lives in New York, so he gets all the cool stuff. I've seen something about those online, but yeah, I've never mm -hmm. been in one either. Mm -hmm. For sure. We just crossed 900 followers or people watching the Wake Up America show. What's up? Uh, good morning. Good morning, peeps. If you're enjoying the content today, click like and subscribe. If you missed the conversation about Jeffrey Epstein and the Eros on Epstein Island, that was about 30 minutes into the program this morning. We had a nice conversation about that. We broke it back and forth, some news. So make sure that you go back and watch that a little bit later if you missed it. Right now, we're talking about love in the checkout line. No, just kidding. Uh, actually, I'm ready to move on to the next topic, our final topic of the day, another Wall Street Journal piece. Don't be the worst person on your flight this year. Resolutions around boarding bins and deplaning can make tr plane travel better than anyone. Um, so the uh, question about, is it okay? Here's the first question. Lowering your seat back, right? Leaning your seat back. Okay, so I'm going to go first and say, it's okay to put your seat back. And I'll tell you this. Um, when I get on a flight after about an hour and a half, my lower back starts like ramping like crazy from sitting up straight like that, right? For so long. So I, all I need is the the two inches that they give me to just get a little bit of relief from that, right? All That's all I need. But some people are like, you should have to ask the person behind you or you shouldn't do it at all, which I think is bullshit because otherwise why the seats recline? If I, I can recline, you recline, we all recline, except for the people who sit with their back to the toilet. But you know what? That's what you get for sitting back there. Your thoughts on lowering your seat back. 
I don't have a big opinion on this. I don't do it, but then I also don't need it because I like to, I actually like to sit up really straight. So like anybody uh, who sits in my car is like, what are you doing? Well, I mean, <laughs> but you know, I understand that for some people it's physically uncomfortable to do that. Mm-hmm. I think it's a matter of how far back you recline the seat because you know, you see all the way, example, baby. You see, example, well, then you're practically laying in that person's uh, lap. Uh, that's, that's, like, I, that's, that's not what cool. I'm I'm like, put them right between my legs. <laughs> oh God. Like that's when you deserve kind of whatever you get. Like if you are, touching them or coming close in any way by doing that well it's like beware <laughs> yes quest fanning <laughs> says if the chair is designed uh, to recline it's okay um bipoc doing racism says self-identify as a fat and get a free extra seat i think oh I'm, I'm past the point of self-identifying <laughs> at this point but that is a good point right so actually they are giving you free seats if you mm. self-identify as fat right um my name goes here who i think it's her first time on the show what's up my name is my name is Goes Here. Flew from the East Coast to Maui. Never again. Oh, God. Yeah. Stephanie and I did surprisingly well on our Japan flight, but like those bigger jets that they use for that are actually pretty comfy. Mm. So when we did that, we flew Delta. It was pretty nice. We didn't, I didn't have any back problems then, but oh, I did screw up on the way home. I put us with our backs to the toilet. So <sighs> we weren't able to recline there. And that was a little rough. And that was dumb. I thought, oh, I'll just be able to get to the toilet. And then the smell of the toilet is able oh, to get to you. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> and nice to see you. My name goes here. I hope you'll come back and join us again on the Wake Up America show and that you like and subscribe. Urz Mommy, she's going to Japan. She says, I'm going to Japan to see my son and daughter-in-law and grandbaby. That's awesome. awesome. Give him a Ohio gozaimasu for me, please. Um, as we head towards the end of the Wake Up America show, I do want to remind you that the show streams live Mondays through Fridays and that Camelia Peterson, who's joining us in studio right now, will be joining us today completely and tomorrow completely. Isn't that great? Y'all are going to be tired of me before this is over. This I week. don't think so. I think everybody enjoys <laughs> having uh, Camelia on set for the Wake Up America show. All right. So the next item on the list for airplane etiquette is, let's see. Da, 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 da. Oh, armrest tussles. Okay, so if you're in the middle seat, my opinion is that you should get both armrests. Oh, interesting. Yes, if you are in the middle seat and you have to sit in between other people, yes, you should have like booked your your seat ahead of time and you should have like, you know, tried to get an aisle or a window if that's what you really wanted. However, I do feel as if if you do have to suffer the crushing of the soul and of the spirit and of the body, that you should get both armrests. Your thoughts? It's fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is, is like if you're using your armrest to where you are overlapping the armrest, mm-hmm. that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Don't do that because, like, then you're probably touching, and don't do. That. <laughs> yes, for sure, for sure. Okay, don't bonk other passengers with your backpack. Yes, please. Thank you. I hate that. You ever had that somebody do that? They like they're wearing their backpack in the plane and then they just rudely just boom, 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 just like smack people on the head with it. Have you seen this? I You've mean, done it. Like You've it's, done it's it. Closed, it's closed spaces and I, they probably are You've just done not this. spatially aware. Have I hit somebody with my backpack? You've done this, haven't you? I don't think so, but uh, I try not to. There's something about your facial expression. So, well, here's the thing. Like, I I think it's hard for people to be spatially aware of where they're, how far their backpack well, I wonder sticks why. out. <laughs> Jeez. What's wrong with the depth perception, Camelia? <laughs> 
But I'm also, you mentioned this earlier, maybe this is one that you're getting to. I don't know. But I, when I fly, like I literally will just basically sit there until most everybody is off because I just, I'd rather sit there and not have to deal with, you know, the everybody crowding together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, don't be a bin hog. They say, I guess a lot of people like they will like crowd an overhead bin and stuff. Absolutely. Everything in their coats, scarves, umbrellas, souvenirs, all kinds of crap. I never really had a problem with that. Although there may be a couple of times where it's like they force you to check your bag. I hate that. Mm. You're trying to do that. You're trying to trying to sneak that little bag in there for your quick weekend trip, you know, so you don't have to like you can just get off the plane and grab your bag and go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do think twice before asking another passenger to switch seats. Right. I uh, Stephanie, and I've done that maybe once so we could sit next to each other. Right. And so, you know, you want to accommodate, but it's like a good reason. I can understand that. Yes. Somebody says, don't watch in-flight movies, TV, or play video games without headphones ever. Agreed. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Don't do that. Um, That's like people who go through the store, you know, having conversations on speakerphone out loud. Do warn people when you are about to recline your seat. Okay. That's a maybe for me. Probably. It's not required. It's polite, but it's not required. Yes, I, I think that it would be a courtesy. Yes. And the most important one, the one that I keep seeing Gavin McKinnis talking about and that he's like really pissed about, do wait your turn to get off the plane. Yes, wait your effing turn. I hate watching people run to the front of the airplane like they're five years old in kindergarten. Like how much time are you saving? Uh, not much. Right? Not that much, to be honest. They're just seeing everybody off who's like who's there with you right makes you hate you and then you see that person again on your next flight your connecting flight and it's like you right so anyways it's uh been a great show it's pretty much over yeah see you guys yeah yeah it's been a great show i do want to remind all of you who are watching this morning all 986 of you good god (laughs) we do stream this show five days a week so please do me a favor and click like and subscribe to the channel and come back and join us tomorrow. Camilla will be joining us again on set. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, don't stink like a bastard, says Weird Sanchez 69. Very good one. Very funny. When Thank you. When you come back tomorrow, don't stink like that. Yes. We may not know it, but you will. Take a shower before you get on the plane. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. All these new friends. P-Zone 63, Oxford, Florida. What's up, Florida? How you doing? Horatius, Glocas, Clementine, all of our friends already know to click like and subscribe, but make sure you do it as well. And visit AP4LibertyShop.com where you can get awesome, exclusive Javier Malay merchandise. All our Javier merchandise is designed by yours truly. That's me, AP for Liberty. Check it out at AP4LibertyShop.com. You can also get delicious founding flavors. Camelia, lift it up for us. Show us all the delicious coffee that we have. Thomas is paying. Come on, Vanna White. There you go. We're drinking Adams's Patriotic Perk. There he is in Boston this Harbor. One. Yep. Absolutely delicious. Delicious. Thomas's Painkiller. That's, that's my favorite. So good. Which one is this? Which one is this one right here? What do you have? That's oh, oh Washington's George Washington's Revolutionary Roast. This is the medium mm-hmm. roast. Yes. yes. That one's got five stars over at AP for Liberty Shop. Jeffersonian Java four seven. Electric Elixir four nine. You can get these exclusively at AP for Liberty Shop. Dot com. We are a family-owned business, and we like to think that all of our friends together are a little bit of a family here, even though Peter's sons on set right now are of different lineages. S-O-N and S-E-N. Camille, anything else you want to say before we leave? We're the Swedish one. You're the Swedish, and Sweet. I am the Danish, yeah? All right, Camille, last words before we go. 
Have a great day, everyone. Go out and like get off your keyboards and do something. Yeah, do something like fight for liberty, just like we do here on the Wake Up America show five days a week. We'll see you right here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Sharp on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Bye.